Hello, thanks for tuning in to the West Side Podcast. This is where we're going to be posting some of the audio from our gatherings on Sundays, and we're hoping to develop some other content that we're excited to share with you in the future. West Side's vision is to reconcile people to God through the grace of Jesus, step by step. And we really hope that this podcast helps you do just that. We hope it helps you get closer to Jesus. We hope that you would be reconciled to God and not only that, be reconciled to the relationships around you and to the city that you live in, wherever that happens to be. Again, thanks for tuning in and enjoy. Um, awesome. Well, we're continuing our sermon series on, on doubt. It's called When in Doubt. And um, by the way, it's my wedding anniversary today, 18 years for my wife and I. Just so happened to be on Father's Day this year, so that's pretty cool. Um, I've been a pastor for a long time now, about 18 years, and um, people have asked me all sorts of questions, and one of the questions that people ask me most regularly is, um, is people come up to me, and usually they don't ask this question in, uh, like, when other people are around. They usually come up and they find me when I'm by myself, and they come in close, and they, they kind of, like, lower, lower their voice a little bit, and they're like, Pastor, can I ask you a question? And whenever that happens, whenever somebody lowers their, their voice like that, I always assume this is going to be a question about sex or it's going to be about what I'm about to talk to you about. And it's usually sometimes people come up to me and they say, Pastor, do, do, you, ever have, do you ever have doubts? Do you ever doubt? And I, and I, and I pause, and it's a really a sacred moment. And so I, so I pause, and I, and I look at, right in their eyes, and I say, never. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, of course. I mean, I say, yeah, yes, I, I, I've got some, there's, there, I've got questions. I mean, following Jesus means there's going to be lots and lots of questions. So we've been in this sermon series, and basically, you know, if you've, if you've missed some of the weeks, I mean, we've been saying a lot of things. We've been saying that essentially uh, healthy churches talk about doubt, and unhealthy churches don't talk about doubt. And I don't know what kind of church you grew up in, but we want to be a healthy church. We want to be a church where we can talk about our doubts. Or maybe you grew up in a family where you couldn't share kind of your questions. Maybe every one of your questions, people thought you were questioning your faith. And so those were, you know, kind of pushed aside. And so, you know, I don't know what your experience is, but here's what we know is that, is that doubt can be an integral part of faith. Part of faith means that we're going to have questions and we're going to wrestle with some things. And so we've, uh, in these past weeks, we've talked about how, you know, doubt usually starts from some kind of disappointment. We talked about how doubt can come flying into your life because of, because of tragedy, because of trauma. You start asking the big questions. Um, we've, we've talked about doubt with the Bible is a big deal? How can I trust it? And, you know, where does it come from? And can I really rely on it? Last week, we talked about this kind of, uh, this kind of, this, this pull between faith and, and science. Can I believe in, like, can I believe in, can I have faith in God, but yet also, is it, where does science fit into that? So if you haven't gotten a chance to see any of those, then they're all online. You can watch those, get all caught up. Um, but um, I, I think just through my years, I feel like there's these two questions that always come up when it comes to, like, even me wrestling with my own doubt. When I'm wrestling with my own doubt, I usually find I'm, I'm, I'm kind of circling around these two questions right here. And may, I, I have a feeling you're, you might be a little bit similar. It's these two questions. Is, is it true and is it worth it? Is it true or, and is it worth it? Is it true and is it worth it? Is it true and is it worth it? 
And is it true is a really, really important question to ask. You know, can I trust this? Is this true? Did this actually happen in, in history? Did the resurrection really, really happen? But I, I have a feeling, you know, and, that, and we, we wrestle with those, and I know you have, but I think a lot of times we, we, tend to, we tend to wrestle with this second one a little bit more. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? We look around our circumstances, we look around at how things are going, and we start to ask the question, not only is it true, but we ask, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Is it worth it? And here's how it usually happens, okay? Usually we start to look around at what it means to follow Jesus, and we look around at everyone else who seems to be having more fun than us. We look around and we see the people who seem to be making more money than us. We look around and we see the people who aren't, like, aren't giving, who haven't surrendered their life to Jesus like us, and and we start looking around and it seems like, oh man, this is kind of, this is kind of hard. This is kind of tough. Like this costs me something. And when it costs you something, and when you find yourself asking the question, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Here's what we typically do is we typically then just, uh, uh, just move all of our attention on the question of, is it true? Is it true? Is it true? Because if we can convince ourselves that it isn't true, then we don't no longer have to wrestle with the question of, is it worth it? Does that make sense? So for instance, you're, 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 you just graduated high school, you're in college, you're in college for the first time, you're in the freshman dorm, and you're, you're, you want to follow Jesus, you've, you've surrendered your life to Jesus, and so, you know, and there's, there's just certain things that you believe about the world that Jesus says is like, this is what I'm made for, and this is what I'm not made for, and so you're trying to navigate that, but everybody else, everybody else seems to just be having so much more fun than you, and they're, they're doing all these things that you're like, ah, oh, man, and so, you know, you might be tempted to think like, is this worth it? Is this worth it? And when you find yourself there, here's what we typically do, is we typically then say, well, you know what? It's probably, it's probably not true. Ah, you know, I had some doubts about whether it was true. And like my professor said that it wasn't true. And so, so you know, it's probably not true. And if I can just convince myself that it's not true, then I feel free to go about and do what other people are doing because I no longer have to wrestle with the question of, is it worth it? And I hope this is encouraging to you, but think about this, is, think about this, 100%, 100% of Jesus' original followers doubted. 100% of Jesus' original, original followers asked themselves, is it true, and is it worth it? 100%. Maybe you didn't know that, but when you look at the Gospels and you just see these people that are following Jesus, every single one of them, at multiple points in their life or at several, or several key moments in their life, they, they, had, they had to stop and say, wait, 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 is this true? It is is this worth it? I mean, these are the men and women who, who had breakfast, lunch, and dinner with Jesus, lunchables in between the meals. These are the people that are traveling around with Jesus, seeing the miracles, and even they at moments stopped and said, is it, is it true? Is this really true? And is it worth it? Is it worth it? Remember, there's this guy named John the Baptist, and he was kind of a big deal. And John the Baptist um, was baptizing people in the Jordan River. And there's this moment where Jesus shows up. It's the first time that, you know, like, he kind of has this revelation. That, and, he, and he says this really cool line. He says, he says, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He's like, this is the Messiah. And then later on in John the Baptist's life, he, now he's in prison. And he's, his head is literally on the chopping block. And he is starting to wonder, is it true? Is it worth it? Is it true? Is it worth it? Is this really the Messiah? Um, 
there was uh, another guy, um, you know, the, the apostles, remember the apostles? I mean, they're like, they're with Jesus and it's the night where he's betrayed by Judas and so the, the soldiers all come and what did this, what is the, the 12, we're gonna call them apostles tonight and I'll, I'll tell you why in a second. What do the 12 apostles do? What do they do? They stick around, they're like, never. No, they, they run, they run. And what are they asking themselves? Oh, this ain't, this ain't worth it. <laughs> this isn't worth it. I mean, you know, they're wrestling with these questions. There's even one of the apostles that got a nickname. Remember what his nickname was? It was Doubting Thomas, right? We talked about him that very first week that we, that we did this sermon series. And he even got, kind of unfairly, but he got this nickname. He's like, he's, he's doubting, um, which is, isn't really, really fair. But um, here's one of the things that, um, here's, here's what's so great about this. Apparently, apparently, even though 100% of all of the uh, Jesus' early followers, they asked themselves this question. Apparently, when you doubt... Jesus doesn't throw you out. That's really good news. Apparently, when you doubt, when you're asking yourself, is it true, is it worth it, is it true, is it worth it, Jesus doesn't throw you out. There's just like, he's, he's with us. He's, he's still, he comes alongside. I hope that's really, really good news. Um, the good news is that you can follow Jesus and have some doubts at the very same time. Do you know how I know? It's because all of Jesus' early followers did that. You can follow Jesus and not have all of your questions answered. You can, you can have all these, you can have questions and you can have, you know, like, what about this and what about this? And even in the midst of that, you can still, you can still follow Jesus. How do we know? It's because all the very first apostles, they did that. Everybody else that followed Jesus, they followed Jesus even in the midst of their doubt, even in the midst of their questions. And what we often do is we often tend to think, I've got 20 questions and until I get all 20 questions of of, uh, answered, I can't step across the line into faith. And so if you believe that, if you tend to believe that, then here's what you're going to do is you're going to start asking those questions, but you're going to discover like 30 more. And then you're just going to discover like 50 more after that. And you're going to discover real quick that like you're, you're always going to have unanswered questions. And so if you wait for all those questions to get answered before you step over the line of faith, you're going to, you're going to be waiting <laughs> forever. You're going to be waiting for a really long time. And it's a beautiful truth, to, to kind of a freeing truth, actually, to remember that I can have questions and, I can, and, and I'm going to have more, but I can follow Jesus in the midst of even my doubts and my questions and me asking myself, is it worth it and is it true? Is it worth it and is it true? Okay, so that's the good news. But I want you to remember this. But we have to be careful. Because even though doubt is natural, normal, and it's a part of faith, even though uh, if we aren't careful, doubt can take you out. Doubt can take you out. If we're not careful, doubt can take you out. Because listen, if it's, it's, uh, it's okay to wonder, but it could be really dangerous to wander. It's okay to wonder. I mean, Jesus all the time is just inviting the, the, all the people to, to ask questions and he's untying the knots. It's okay to wonder. Maybe you didn't know this. Maybe you didn't grow up in a home where you could wonder and ask questions. You can ask questions. I think Christianity can stand up to our questions, but we have to be very careful because doubt can easily take us out. And when we start to wander instead of just wonder, then it can put us in places where we can start making decisions, making decisions about who we are, making decisions about who he is, and it could be a really, really dangerous place. Um, 
if there's one of the apostles that knew a lot about this, it was Peter, this guy named Peter, all right? He's one of the apostles, and Peter, there's, this moment, there's a bunch of moments in Peter's life that are laughable and helpful, but there's this moment in Peter's life that I want to read to you tonight. It's from John chapter 6, so if you brought your, brought your Bible, we're going to go to John chapter 6. There's this moment in, in Peter's life that, to me, is so helpful, it's so helpful in, in, with wrestling with this question. Uh, the, see, the question isn't whether you're going to have doubt, you will. The question isn't whether you're going to have some doubts. You absolutely will. The question is, is what are you going to do with your doubts? What are you going to do when you start asking those questions? Is it true? Is it worth it? Is it true? And is it worth it? And there's this moment in Peter's life that I find so helpful because in this moment, Jesus asked Peter a question and it is a penetrating question. And the way that Peter responds to this question has the potential to really help us all when it comes to wrestling and dealing with our questions and our doubts. So um, this is from John chapter six. The, uh, the, the context is this. The context is Jesus has done the, you know, this really, really big miracle. He's fed 5,000 people. Um, if you grew up in church, you remember this, this, this really cool miracle where Jesus takes his fish and loaves and his, he turns it and he feeds all sorts of people. And it wasn't just 5,000 people, it was probably 10,000 people, maybe even 15,000 people, a huge group of people. And so, like, everyone's loving Jesus at this point. I mean, you know, the, his, his, his people, the people that were, these crowds that were following him around, I mean, they all got fed. And so Jesus, what happens is he kind of, like, retreats. He kind of, like, gets away for, for a few minutes and uh, by himself. And the disciples come to him, and they're like, Jesus, what do you want us to do? And Jesus says, hey, meet me on the other side of the lake. And so the disciples are like, okay, you know, like, I guess he wants us to go to the other side of the lake. And so they decide to get in a boat and go, and it's at nighttime, and it's probably a bad time to go across the lake. Um, they already know, you know, some of them are fishermen, so they know this stuff already. They know what kind of headwinds there are on this lake. But what happens is they get stuck out there in the lake. They're rowing. The headwind is like pushing against them. And it's like, have you ever been rowing? And it's like, you're just not making any progress. And who, so who knows how long they've been rowing. They're tired. They're probably a little scared at this point. And then do you remember this, this, this part of the story is, uh, again, if you grew up in church, this is a really familiar story where Jesus, <laughs> Jesus comes out and Jesus is walking, remember this part? He's walking on the water. Now I know you're, some of you know, it's like, oh, can I believe that? Like, can I, Jesus walking on the water, really? But listen, if, if, Jesus, if we believe that Jesus rose from the dead, which we do, then you know, walking on water is gonna be, I think, easier than, than resurrecting from the dead. But listen, Jesus is walking on the water. And in Mark chapter, chapter six, I love this. Mark, Mark says in chapter six in his gospel that Jesus was passing them. <laughs> Isn't that a great picture? I love it. Jesus is passing him. It's almost like he's like, Hey, you guys, what do you do? I'll, I'll meet you over there. You know, like he's just, he sees them. But uh, the, there's this cool moment where Peter, he's, he, he sees Jesus. He wants to get out of, and he wants to get on the water and go to Jesus. Remember what happens? He, um, he looks around at the, he's doing fine for a few steps, but he looks around at the wind and the waves and then he starts to sink. And then Jesus is like right there and pulls him up. Remember that? Listen, I love this because I feel like this is where we are. This is exactly where, um, this is just like us. Peter started to doubt. Peter started to doubt when he thought that it might not work out. You see that? See, Peter started to doubt when he thought it might not work out. When he thought it was going to work out, then, you know, he was like, oh, I'm going to do this. But he, he looks around at the wind and the waves and he's wondering, like, is this, is this worth it? Is this going to work out? And I relate to that so much because I think this is, this is where we tend to be, 
is I'm, I'm, a, I'm a business person. I've got a business and maybe things are going good, but maybe because, because I follow Jesus, I'm gonna, make some, I'm gonna make some business decisions that may be different than some other people make their business decisions. And maybe it starts to get a little tight. Maybe it starts to get a little hard. Or maybe my job starts to be in jeopardy because I'm committed first and foremost to Jesus. What do I start to do? Well, you and I will be tempted in that moment to start to doubt because we start to think, is this gonna work out? Is this gonna work out for me? Maybe you're in a marriage that's really hard. And you're there and it's like, it's, like, it's, it's hard. And so you start, to, you start to think like, is, is, this, is this gonna work out? I start to doubt because I'm not sure if all of this is gonna work out. See, this is where we live. This is where doubt starts to bubble up as we, we, we look around and we're not necessarily asking, is it true? We're asking, is it worth it? Is it worth it? And when it starts to cost us, when it starts to cost us, we look around at the wind and the waves and then that's really the moment where we're like, oh, this is when the doubt starts coming in. Is it all gonna work out? Now, the good news is that Jesus doesn't count us out when we doubt. Remember, he reaches down, he helps Peter, gets him up out of his doubt, you know, like back into the boat. And so they get to the other side. And so here's where we're getting to the story. So remember, then the people, all these people that had gotten this big free meal, remember the free meal? They hear that Jesus is with his disciples on the other side of the lake. And so they, they're like, sweet, we're heading over there. And so they all head over. There's a bunch of people that are heading over there to the other side of the lake, uh, to the lake, not just because they think that Jesus Jesus is the Messiah, though many of them do, they're over there because the Messiah's giving out free food. The Messiah's giving out sandwiches. Like, come on. And so, like, there's a lot of people there. They're heading over. Um, and the apostles are riding high at this point. They are very popular, you know. Um, they're, they're like the inner, you know, they're like Jesus' guys. And so I bet if you would have go, gone up to Peter and said, hey, Peter, are you one of Jesus' followers? Peter would have been like, oh, yeah, I'm one of the 12. Actually, I'm, I'm actually, I'm like one of the three. Um, there's like a group of three of us that are kind of in the inner circle. Shh, don't tell anybody. You know, just, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm in the inner circle. You know, Peter is like super popular. They're all riding this wave really, really high. Everybody wants to know their names and things are going really, really great. And then Jesus goes into the synagogue and he begins to teach. And in this synagogue, there's 40 different groups of people there. There's the apostles, it's the 12, kind of his closest guys. And then the text says that then there's this group called the disciples. And the disciples isn't the 12. The disciples is this bigger group of people that were like following Jesus. A lot of them left homes and jobs to follow. There could have been a hundred. There could have been a thousand of these people who these were, the Bible considers them the, the, the in this context, the, the disciples, the followers. There was a lot of them. And then there was the crowd. And the crowd were kind of the looky-loos, the onlookers, you know, they're like kind of just they just kind of want to see if Jesus is going to do something flashy, but they wouldn't consider themselves disciples. And then there's this group of religious leaders there, the people who are always trying to trip him up, always trying to, you know, shake things up. Here's the context. And Jesus starts preaching, and Jesus preaches the weirdest sermon ever. Like the weirdest sermon in the Bible, Jesus starts preaching. At the height of his popularity, Jesus goes into the, 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 you know, the, the meeting here, hall here, and he's just, he starts preaching this sermon. And guys, I'll, I'm going to read part of it to you, but I mean, it, it might be confusing to us. It was so confusing to them. I mean, they were just like, what is, what is Jesus talking about? Jesus starts talking about, he says, he starts saying, I'm the bread of life. 
and that wasn't too bad. You know, people are like, some of them are like, oh, bread of life. And that's, he just did the miracle with the bread. So it's like bread. And then Jesus starts talking about the Old Testament with the Israelites being led out of Egypt. And there's the, the manna that God provided. And so it's like this really cool picture that Jesus is like the, like, like the new manna, like the manna for the people. And so some people are getting it. The, the religious leaders are like, no, he's not the bread of life. Like he didn't come down from heaven. We know his parents. Like, go talk to us. We know his parents. Like, he's, this isn't the Messiah. Come on. There's all these different thoughts and ideas. But Jesus starts talking about the bread of life, and that's okay. But then Jesus, then Jesus goes a little bit too far here. Listen to what he says. He says, starting in verse 48, he says, John chapter 6, verse 48, he says, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, and yet they died. But here, maybe he pointed to himself in this moment, but here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone, anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that comes down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. You can see kind of where Jesus is going. And people are starting to scratch their heads. In verse 52, it says, some of the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? I mean, imagine the confusion. They're like, he's gotta be speaking metaphorically, right? Like, this is totally metaphor, right? And the other guy's like, I I mean, you heard him say it. I mean, I just, he's like, he's the bread of life and his flesh is the bread. Like, it might be metaphorical, but like, I don't know. I mean, this was really offensive to them because in Jewish culture, you don't don't ingest any sort of blood, you know, because it's not kosher. (laughs) What Jesus is saying here is certainly not kosher. Ingest blood? Like, Jesus, you're a good Jew. You know that we don't do this. We don't ingest blood. So, Jesus, what are you talking about? You've got to be speaking metaphorically. Come on, you. No, just stop it, you know. And then Jesus doesn't stop. He just dials it up. Listen to what he says. Verse 53, Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in him. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. And everybody's like, whoa, whoa. Like, wait a minute. Like, no way. He like, Seriously, he's got to be speaking metaphor, right? And then look what Jesus says next. He says, for my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Just as the living father sent me and I, and, and, uh, sent me and I live because of the father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever And he said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. And verse 60 just kind of sums up what everybody's thinking in the room. On hearing this, many of the disciples, many of the disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Oh my gosh, like this is, I mean, who can, this is, this is crazy. I mean, this is like the weirdest sermon. We've heard Jesus give some great sermons, but this is like, a, this is a weird one everybody's thinking. And they're just kind of weirded out by the whole thing. Now, so Jesus is speaking in metaphor, okay? He is, he's, he's, he's not telling them to turn into cannibals, all right? Just in case anybody in the room is confused at this point, he's not saying that everybody should eat his flesh. He's definitely talking in, in metaphor, but they are confused, and they're just scratching their heads. And here's what happens. A couple of verses later, we'll read it in a second. It says that at this point, this was a turning point, that many of his disciples 
walked away. They left him. They just left. He can't be saying this. Is it true? Is it worth it? I don't know. It's not worth it to follow this guy. He's telling us to be cannibals. Are you kidding me? So many questions, so many doubts. People just walk away. Imagine being the disciples right here. Because the disciples, remember, they were at the peak of their popularity, and now Jesus is telling this sermon. You can see their eyes getting wider and wider. Like, whoa, Jesus, we're going to lose the crowd, Jesus. We're going to lose the crowd. Uh, you, you know, like, I, I'm just picturing this, but I'm imagining, you know, that the, that the apostles probably just wanted to, like, I bet Peter and John like, wanted to come to the front and be like, hey, uh, everybody, we're going to take a little break. Uh, Jesus, thanks for that, and a little intermission. Um, how about we just give Jesus a few, a few minutes, get him some uh, snack. Um, blood sugar's probably a little low, you know. He's just yeah. So we'll get him a snack. And uh, hey, why don't, why don't you guys are waiting during the intermission? How about, can we round up some of, that, some of those sandwiches that Jesus did in that miracle? Remember the big miracle Jesus did with the, with the fish and the loaves? Remember the big miracle? I just want you to keep in mind the big miracle that Jesus did. Just let's keep that in mind. Let's just get you the fish and the loaves. And, and, and then, you know, maybe they wanted to, pull Jesus aside and be like, Jesus, what are you doing? Like we had them. Like they, they're like, they're, don't, no, we're losing. They're walking away. Jesus, what do you do? This is so confusing. I mean, imagine just how confused these apostles were. Verse 66 says this, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. And the apostles are thinking the exact same thing too. The apostles are there, and they're seeing their popularity go. And you know what they're asking themselves right now? Is it true, and is it worth it? Is it true? We think so. We've seen him do great miracles. We've seen him do great stuff. Is it worth it? I don't know. It's going to be tough to follow Jesus now. People are going to be looking at us like the guys who followed the cannibal guy, you know? We're going to, people are going to look at us and be like, oh, you're the guys that follow that Jesus guy? Oh, man, you're like on the wrong side of history. That's like, oh, come on, are you kidding me? He's like, this is gonna get, it's going to get hard to follow Jesus now. And just like Peter on the waves, he looks around, and, it, and things, when, things aren't, when you're wondering if things are going to work out, that's when you start to doubt. And the apostles are deep in doubt in this moment. They're wondering, should we just fade off in the crowd and leave him too? And Jesus, because he's just so brilliant, you know what Jesus does? He knows everybody's thoughts. And so he knows exactly what the disciples are thinking. And so you, it's this moment where like when your teacher calls out a question and you don't want to make eye contact with the teacher, you know? You know that, you know that moment? I bet none of the disciples want to make eye contact with Jesus, you know? They're like this and like, oh, maybe we'll just, ooh, you know, just like fade into the crowd, you know, here we go. And Jesus looks at them, verse 67, he says, you do not want to leave too, do you? He asked the 12. He says, are you guys thinking about leaving too? And it's such a, it's such a penetrating question. I wonder if the same question that Jesus is asking the apostles right now is the same question that Jesus is asking some of you today. I wonder maybe if some of you, you're in a situation in your life where you're wondering, is it true? Maybe, I, I think so. But maybe you're in the place where you're wondering, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Is it worth it to follow you? And you're considering, you're considering walking away. 
And Jesus would look at you, just like he looked at the apostles. Maybe he would look at you and he would say, are, are you thinking about leaving too? Peter's answer is dynamite. Peter's answer is so helpful in helping us understand what we're supposed to do with our doubt, with our questions. Jesus asks the apostles, are you thinking about leaving me too? And you know what Peter says? Simon Peter, verse 68, he answers them and he says this, Lord, to whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? Can you say that with me? To whom shall we go? Lord, to whom shall I go? Can we say that together? To whom shall I go? Peter's answer is, you know what he does? This is, this is so helpful. Because Peter's still got his questions. And Peter still has no idea what Jesus was, about, was preaching about just now. He, he's like, he's, he has no clue. He's got so many questions. But you know what Peter does in this moment? And so what I'm hoping that we all do when we're confronted with our doubts is, is Peter, it's almost like he takes this inventory, this mental inventory, and he thinks, okay, um, do I want to leave? Well, kind of. I'm thinking about going because I've got a lot of questions. But then Peter has to take this mental inventory because he understands that if he's going to leave Jesus, he's going he's, he's to go somewhere else. Because when you leave faith in Christianity, you don't leave faith behind. You just put your faith in something else. Because we all live by faith, no matter what you put your faith in. And Peter knows this. The apostles know this. And he says, if I'm not going to put my faith in Jesus, if it's not Jesus, who? And if it's not Christianity, what? Peter knows that if, I, if I'm going to leave him, then, then that means I'm going to attach my hope, I'm going to attach my faith to something else. And it's almost like he does it, like a, he thinks around it, all the options, and he comes up with a big fat, you know what, Jesus? I have a lot of questions. I have a lot of doubt. But where else would I go? Where else would I go? It's like nowhere else for me to go. I still got my questions. And even if I leave and attach my hope to something else, I'm still going to have the same questions. Because I'm better off just hanging out with you, Jesus, because even though I got my questions, at least I know that, that you're going you're gonna to pull me out of my doubt. You're going to help me. You're going to be with me. You're not going to leave me. You're not going to count us out when we doubt. And so Peter says, Jesus, I don't know where else I would go. To where shall I go? To where shall I go? To where shall I go? Because if you don't put your faith in Jesus, you're going to put your faith in your effort. You're going to put your faith in your job. You're going to put your faith in your boyfriend or girlfriend. You're going to put your hope in what your body looks like. You're going to put your hope and your identity in what your bank account says. You're going to put your hope and identity in what people think about you and what people say about you. You're going to put your hope in, in, your, in, you know, in you being righteous and you being good and trying hard. You're going to put your hope and you're going to put your hope and faith in something. And Peter knows. Listen, listen to what he says next, because he doesn't just stop there. He says, he says, where else shall I go? And then he continues. He says, you have the words of eternal life. You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. He says, he says, I know. If I don't put my faith in you, I'm going to put my faith in something else. And you know what? I've searched around, I've looked everywhere, and nothing offers me life like you do, Jesus. Even in the midst of my questions and my doubts, my marriage can't give me what you can give me, Jesus. My money can't give me what you can give me, Jesus. My, what people think about me, what people say about me, my reputation, or what, in my industry, whatever, what like those things, they, they fade. 
Those things go. But Jesus, you're the one that gives me hope and life ultimately into the future, indefinitely, into infinity. And so Peter does what I hope that we all do in the midst of our doubt, in the midst of our questions. Don't let doubt take you out. Because Jesus is there even in the midst of your doubts. And you can follow him even when you have doubt. Because all of his early believers did. And they did it by responding like Peter did. Because Peter said, sure, I'm pretty sure it's true. And I'm wondering at this point that if it's worth it. But you know what? Where else shall I go? You have the words of eternal life. And so I am sticking with you. Isn't that really cool? Isn't that so helpful? You can, just, you can have your doubts and you can follow Jesus even in the midst of it and he is with you. Band, will you guys come on up? We're gonna close. Um, and as the band is coming up, um, we're gonna take communion in this last psalm because Jesus said, eat my flesh and drink my blood. <laughs> and he was being metaphorical for sure. But there's something about this meal that we're about to participate in that kind of is like, that's a little bit what we're doing. We're, we're saying, Lord, I've got questions. That's not, a, that's not a question. I've got my doubts. That's not even the thing. The thing is, what am I gonna do with them? What am I gonna do when I ask, is it true and is it worth it? And Lord, I'm just recognizing tonight that there's, I got, I, I got nowhere else to go. I got nowhere else to go. You are the one. You are the one that gives me life, that gives me hope. You're the one that can do what nothing else can do. And so as we sing this last song, just as we respond, I don't know how you need to respond because maybe for some of you, you were, you've been thinking about leaving. You've been thinking about leaving because things following Jesus has gotten hard. It's gotten hard. And you're thinking about tossing in the towel. You're thinking about doing that mental thing where you start to believe that it's not true so you don't have to wrestle with, if, is it worth it? And maybe tonight, you just, there's this thing that happens in you just as, we, just as we're here and as we're talking about this and as we're just wrestling with these questions and as we respond, take communion, this ancient meal, you come up, you get the juice and you get, the, the, and you, or you get that thing and there's the, the breads in there and the juice and you just hold on to it just as we sing and in a moment that's right, you just, it's like you take it and you say, Lord, where else shall I go? Where else shall I go? Jesus, I'm going to take all my questions and I'm, all my doubts and I'm going to take them to you because you hold the words of eternal life. I'll pray. Father, thank you for your goodness and your grace. Lord, we worship you. Lord, we call, declare, Lord, that you are good and you are great and that we're going to bring all of our lives, all of our questions, all of our doubts to you, Lord. And I pray that all of us would do exactly what Peter did, that we would just take inventory. We would look around. We would, we would ask the question, Lord, well, where else, where else shall I go? And so, Lord, we respond to you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.